Uh, please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26. Uh, that's on about page 861 in most of the Pew Bibles, 861. Luke 5, 12 through 26. Uh, my name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here where we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. We are in a series through the book of Luke. And Luke is a gospel written primarily to a Gentile audience and has his eye on outsiders, particularly. And we're going to see that in the next couple weeks. So let me pray and ask God for help. And we're going to see a couple kind of outsiders come to Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we confess that we are often lost. And so we are thankful that your son Jesus is the way. And we are often confused, so we give thanks that your son Jesus is the truth. And Lord, we have no ability to give ourselves life. Indeed, if we don't believe, we're dead in our sins. And so we give thanks this morning that your son Jesus is the life. So we pray that he would be especially a parent, and that you would use my words to turn these people's ears into eyes, that they would see Jesus Christ this morning and worship him, and that we would come to him today and every day. In his name we pray, amen. Luke, the author of this gospel, wants us to come to Jesus. He wants us to come to Jesus. Why? What would you answer? If someone came up to you and said, why should I come to Jesus? How would you answer? Many of us, uh, and most people really out there, if God exists, he or she or it, exists for some means of blessing me, giving me what I want. We treat that God or that idea or the universe as some sort of genie to give us what we want. We expect something from him or her or it. And in Luke 5, 12 through 26, we're going to read about two people who come to Jesus kind of like that. They want something from Him. They want to be healed. And these two stories are meant to be invitations for us to come to Jesus. And, so, and when they're viewed together, they're going to show us an even deeper reason to come to Jesus. They're going to tell us this, come to Jesus only he has the power you need. Come to Jesus, only he has the power you need. You come to him because he has power that you need. There's some healings going on and they're going to reveal Jesus' power, so we should come to him. And So we're going to look at two main points and then I have a, a hidden third point, keeping close to my chest, excites me. But the first reason to come to Jesus of his power, only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. Come to Jesus, only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. And then secondly, come to Jesus because only he has the power to forgive sins. Only he has the power to forgive sins. So he's going to cleanse the unclean, has the power to forgive sins. So first, if we ask the leper that we're going to encounter here in verse 12, why come to Jesus? He's going to say this, Come to Jesus, only he has the power 
to cleanse the unclean. Let's read verses 12 through 16. While he was, that was Jesus, in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he, that's Jesus, charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places to pray. So leprosy, someone who has leprosy, if you go back to Leviticus 13 and 14, it's not the disease we generally think of where uh, it's Hansen's disease, where people lose feeling and nerve damage and there's disfigurement. Leprosy in this context is of any variety of skin diseases that afflict people. And if you read Leviticus, you realize that if someone happens to be clean, be cleansed of their uncleanness, of their leprosy, they're to go to the priest, offer a sacrifice, basically an offering of thanks, and the priest has examined them first to see if they've been cleansed. And then they're allowed to do that. And Jesus reveals his knowledge of that right now. He, re- he realizes and shows that he knows how this all works. In those settings, if you went to a priest, he could recognize if you were cleansed, but he had no power. The priest has no power to actually cleanse you of your uncleanness. But Jesus does. He grants this man's request. He cleanses him. And only Jesus has the power to cleanse the unclean. Now I want to make a couple quick observations from this story about Jesus's Willingness to cleanse the unclean. Observation one, come to Jesus. He desires to cleanse. He desires to cleanse. In verse 13, when Jesus says, I will be clean, that's Jesus saying, yes, I'm willing. I'm willing to cleanse you. I want to cleanse you. I desire to cleanse you. He desires to cleanse the unclean. So if you're here today and you feel unclean for any reason, maybe it's something you've done in your past, maybe it's your genes, ashamed of your background, your family history, or you just feel like an outcast like this leper would, Jesus desires to cleanse you. He's not just indifferent, he wants to. He wants you to come. He desires you. He desires to include you. And we as a church want to desire to include you as well. So come to Jesus. Only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. And the observation we just noted is that Jesus desires to cleanse. Now observation two. Come to Jesus knowing Jesus' power, a source of Jesus' power, is prayer. A source of Jesus' power is prayer. There's this, verse 16 so interesting, it almost seems like an interruption. We see that Jesus has this power to cleanse the unclean, but then in verse 16, Jesus goes and gets away from people. He's got all these people gathering to him. He's, got a, he's famous. 
You think he would embrace it, but he goes and gets away. Why? Because in his humanity, he knows he's, he needs more power. And so he goes and prays and communes with his heavenly Father. And he knows that here shortly, he's going to be faced and confronted by these people, the Pharisees, whom we're about to meet. And before he gets into conflict with them, he prays. So come to Jesus. He, only he has the power you need. And only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. But we don't really feel unclean. Does that really, we, we don't live in the Old Testament times. We don't live in uh, the times before Jesus died and rose from the, the grave. So how is this relevant to us, this whole uncleanness talk? Well, if you read Revelation 21, and you get down to verses 24 and 27, there's all this conversation about how great heaven is. There's a new heavens and a new earth. And it's discussing about how Jesus, the Lamb of God, is going to be a lamp lighting the way. And then we read this in this, parad- in this paradise. Verse 24 of Revelation 21. By its light, it's the lamp, that's the Lamb, Jesus, will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. It's safe there. No need to shut the gates. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Look at how glorious this heaven is. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But then we read this. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. So if we're unclean, we've got a problem. And if you go back to Leviticus and you read those pages, those verses and those chapters, you'll find that we're all unclean. The standards are impossibly high for us to keep. There's gates that keep us out. So listen to what the leper reveals to us this morning. Come to Jesus, only he can cleanse the unclean. Now as we move into the second story, the second healing, I want to talk briefly about the context. If there are these boundaries about who is clean, who is acceptable, and who isn't, these Pharisees we're about to meet would consider themselves the gatekeepers. They're the ones that are going to try to identify who belongs in and who doesn't. And this group of scribes that are going to be mentioned is a group of people within the, tri- within the group of the Pharisees. They're not a tribe. It's a, and the Pharisees are a lay group. They're lay leaders. They have no official status. But they have immense religious and social clout. They have influence. And they hear Jesus is up to all this stuff, and they want to come check Jesus out. See what he's up to. And they are not going to like what they see, and they are not going to like what they hear. So let's... Let's see this now. So if we ask the leper, why should you come to Jesus? He would say, because only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. Now we're going to ask a paralytic. Why should, you, why should we come to Jesus? And the, this paralyzed man is going to say this, come to Jesus. Only he has the power to forgive sins. Only Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Which is an interesting question. When you're paralyzed, is that what you really need? 
Now, what's interesting is the Bible makes it very clear, very unpleasant truth, for really from the beginning to the end that our biggest problems are our sins and the judgment that our sins deserve, that they've displeased a holy God and they deserve hell. And since our sins punch our ticket to hell, so the power to forgive that Jesus has, if he has it, is a glorious thing. So let's see if Jesus really has the power to forgive sins. Let's read verses 17 through 26. And if he does, we should come to him. Verses 17 through 26. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he, that's Jesus, saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, and that word for thoughts is always bad thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority or power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. The things Jesus says here are absolutely preposterous for a mere man to say. Jesus claims privileges, he claims titles, he claims power that belongs only to God. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man which if you go back to Daniel 7, is this really, uh, this, this messianic, divine figure. And Jesus is going to call himself that again and again and again, a divine title. And Jesus has the ability to read people's minds. He's all-knowing. Only God can do that. Not even demons and Satan are ever given that level of power. But Jesus can read minds. And then, Jesus forgives sins. Imagine crossing the street to go get a maple bar after church. You're crossing the street. Some, some distracted driver comes along, strikes you. You're, you're there in the, in the sidewalk bruised and bleeding and confused. And I walk behind you. I walk up to the driver. I look him in the eyes. I grab him, shake his hand and say, you're forgiven. Who am I? Who am I to forgive 
an offense against somebody else. But see, sin is first and foremost a sin against God. It's an offense against God. And so Jesus is saying, you're forgiven. I'm speaking for God. You're forgiven. The, Pharisee, the Pharisees know no, no mere man can forgive sin. Only, only God can forgive sins. Unless Jesus is God. So the Pharisees are right. Only God can forgive sins. And this, by the way, this whole event, is basically a preview of the cross. Jesus making claims. Religious leaders saying, that's blasphemy, you're claiming to be God. And you deserve the punishment for that blasphemy, which is death. So we see a little preview there. Now, if you are here, and you're not a Christian, and you're trying to figure out what to make of Jesus... And you like the idea that Jesus is just a friendly guy, good teacher. Or maybe you're a Christian and, and you don't think theology matters. It doesn't matter if Jesus is fully divine or not. That doesn't really factor in. These verses give you a real problem. Because this, if Jesus is claiming these things, he's not really a good guy. And Jesus is saying, I have the power to forgive sins. The, I have that authority. And here's the issue. This can't be just a myth. Honest historians have realized when Mark wrote his account of this, which was the first one, there just isn't enough time for people to make this all up. It actually happened. And, and Luke says he talked to the eyewitnesses who were there. This actually happened. And what's interesting is we think about healing Healing seems like the big miracle, but it's not. It's the smaller miracle when it's compared to being forgiven by God. The reason Jesus heals this man right here is to tell him something. Listen, I'm going to give you a little sign, show you how powerful I am. You want to be healed? What you really need is forgiveness. But in order to encourage you to believe that I have the power to forgive, first I'm going to show you I have the power to heal. And so he does. That's the smaller miracle. Jesus is proving that you can trust what he says, that he has the power to forgive sins. And these Pharisees, these gatekeepers, they know this, the way forgiveness works. And they go back again to Leviticus. It says, wait, 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 wait. You can't be forgiven really until you offer a sacrifice for your sins. Leviticus 4 tells us that. You sin, you've got to go offer a sacrifice. And Jesus is just telling you you're forgiven before you've done that? You've got to go offer something as a substitute for your sins. How, how can Jesus possibly claim that you're forgiven? What the Pharisees don't realize is that the substitute who's going to be sacrificed is right in front of this man. Jesus knows something they don't know. That Jesus is going to lay down his life and go to the cross so that this man can be forgiven. Only Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Now, a couple quick observations from this story. Observation one, come to Jesus knowing forgiveness depends only on faith. 
Come to Jesus knowing forgiveness depends only on faith. It's all you need. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That's God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So this leper, this paralyzed man, this paralyzed man's friends, they come to Jesus, they seek Jesus, and what do they expect? A reward. Healing. They expect that if they come to God, God will do good things for them. If they come to Jesus, He'll do good things. He'll heal them. If you would come to Him. Now that Jesus has physically ascended into heaven, we come to Jesus by believing in Him and trusting what He says. Come to Him by faith. But notice what these men bring. Lots of good works? Nope. They cleaned up their life beforehand? No. A whole bunch of religious knowledge, memorizing creeds or catechisms, none of that. They don't know magic words. They don't burn incense. They don't do rituals. All they have is themselves. They come in faith. That's all it takes. They don't need money or medicine. So if you have not transferred your faith from trusting in yourself to trusting in Jesus... Do it today. Come to Jesus. All you need is faith. And since it depends on faith alone, that can unite every sort of person. People who come in faith, you do no more breakdowns based on uh, wealth or poverty or race or anything like that. Only Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And when you believe today, what that will mean is that you will find that all of your sins have been paid for 2,000 years ago. On the cross. You will find that Jesus rose from the dead so that you have power to live a new life. You can defeat death through his power. And you'll be in a perfect relationship with this Jesus and our Heavenly Father and our Holy Spirit. That's observation one on this story. Now, observation two come to Jesus knowing that Jesus' power is in his word. Jesus' power is in his word. That's an observation we need to get. We saw earlier that a source of Jesus' power is prayer. Now we're seeing that it's in his word. Both of these stories, leper, paralyzed man, all Jesus does, he speaks, and it's done. That's it. In both cleansing the leper in verse 13 and healing the paralytic, that's all he does. So if prayer is like the gunpowder stuffed into a cannon, the word of God going out is like the launch of the cannonball. It's the whole event. That's where the power comes from. Jesus' word is enough. That's all he needs to do. It has the authority to accomplish the task, which means that we as a church should and can continue to believe our first theological distinctive. The word of God is authoritative and sufficient. And that preaching is important, studying the Word is important, reading it, and that we should expect the Word of God to do something. If you're listening to preaching or you're reading your Bible and you're just distracted, you're like, there's nothing going on. Something is wrong because the Word of God accomplishes things. It does something. So we should pray in those moments, ask God for help. And now to state the obvious here. 
we see these wonderful miracles in Luke. And God heals people. We believe that God continues to heal today. And we're going to keep praying for people to be healed. And probably these men prayed for healing for years and years and years. No response. But then one day, God answered that. So we're going to do that here. And we're going to believe that we're going to see things that will encourage our faith. And we want to be people like the paralytic's friends. And I've seen this in our church. People when I was sick with cancer. I've seen people helping Christy in, in her home group and all kinds of people. When they're ill, they're good friends. Like these paralyzed, this paralyzed man's friends. We want to be that as a church. Care for the suffering. Okay, that was the second point. Why come to Jesus? The leper says, come to Jesus. Only he has the power to cleanse the unclean. Ask this paralyzed man, why come to Jesus? He says, come to Jesus. Only he has the power to forgive sins. And now if we're to ask me what these texts say, why come to Jesus? I'm going to answer this way. Come to Jesus. Only He has the power to bring you to God. Only Jesus has the power you need. Come to Jesus. Only He has the power to bring you to God. We're going to look at these two stories big picture now. First, think about the cleansed leopard. Leper. <laughs> leopard. Leper. Jesus cleanses you to bring you to God. Jesus cleanses you to bring you to God. So picture this. You are one of God's people. You've been enslaved in Egypt for generations now, and now you've finally been released. You're, you're marching towards the promised land. You're in the desert, and every time, and there's this, this tabernacle, this tent that symbolizes God's presence. God is present there. And every time the camp stops, something interesting happens. There's three tribes camp in their tents to the north. And then three tribes camp in their tents to the east. And three tribes camp in their tents to the south. Three tribes camp in their tents to the west. But right smack dab in the middle is this tabernacle where God dwells, where He is present. God dwells in the midst of His people. And that prefigures the temple. I would argue prefigures Jesus. So one day when you're on this march, you wake up in your tent and you look at your son and you notice something on his skin and you're terrified. There's a disease there. So what do you do? You take him to the tabernacle. You walk, as you're walking there, you're leading him. You're careful not to touch him. You say, follow me, son. And people are watching you as you walk past their tents towards the tabernacle. And you show up there and you whisper to somebody who's working in the tabernacle and say, hey, we need to see a priest. We need someone to check out my son. They're like, why? And you, you, you let them know. And they kind of look at each other and they say, okay, um, don't touch anything. Sit, steer and wait. The priest, he's, he's got stuff going on. He'll be in to check in a moment. So you sit there and you wait. And you're worried. Then finally the priest comes, he appears, and he examines your loved one, he examines your son. And after all that waiting, it only takes him seconds. He says, yeah, 
your fears are confirmed. You have leprosy. You look at your son and your, your heart breaks. And you tell him, you say, okay, son, we're going to walk out of here. And here's what you have to do. You have to shout, unclean, unclean, so that everybody knows where you are, so they can avoid you and stay away from you. And you've got to walk, and you know what? You've got to walk past all these other tents. You've got to walk past our tent, and you've got to walk outside the camp. We've got to do that. We're going to try to trust God. And so you march with your son, and he's yelling, unclean, unclean. And every step, you're moving further and further away from the tabernacle in the midst of God's people where God dwells. And then you get on the outside and you don't hug. And you pray for healing and tell him that you'll bring food and supplies for him. But he's no longer allowed in the midst of God's people. And you say, I've got to go back to our tent, son, because priests are going to come and examine it because they've got to look at everything you've touched. See, this uncleanness can spread, can go to anyone and anything. So your son's out there and days go by and then weeks and then months and you worry. He's so far out there, outside of camp. There's less protection. There's beasts out there and bandits. And when the camp moves from one spot to another, you can hear him in the back, way back there, unclean, unclean, following. And you go talk to him and and he says, Dad, when is this going to get better? Why can't the priest cleanse me? Can I ever come home? See, it's someone's son that comes to Jesus. He's heard the stories. Jesus can heal. Maybe Jesus can heal and cleanse him. So he makes his way through the crowd and nobody touches him. He he repels people. And then he dares not touch Jesus. He falls down and begs. Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus does something nobody else would do. He begins to stretch out his hand and touch the leper. And you can imagine the crowd. The crowd is thinking, even if they're not shouting it, Jesus, don't touch him. You'll become unclean. And Jesus puts his hand out, touches the man, and the opposite happens. Cleansing spreads. And what does Jesus do? He tells the man, okay, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to now go to the temple, where, go see a priest where God is. You can go back now. You can be with God and offer this sacrifice. Cleansing brings this man to God. We must be cleansed to come to God, and only Jesus has the power to cleanse. So only Jesus has the power to bring you to God. Come to Jesus. Now let's think about the healed paralytic being forgiven. Only Jesus has the power to bring you to God. And Jesus cleanses you to bring you to God. Now we're going to see Jesus forgives you to bring you to God. What is the point of forgiveness? Lawrence and Linda have a good marriage, it seems, but then something happens and blows up. Linda says, I'm out of here. And Lawrence calls and he asks for help and, and he's reaching out to Linda and he's asking her for forgiveness. And then finally one day Linda says, you know what, I forgive you. And what 
does Lawrence get? He doesn't just get forgiveness. He gets Linda. She comes back. She is with him. So when God, when we're told that Jesus forgives, what, is he, what do we get? We get Jesus. We get God. So Jesus forgives to bring us to God. It's not merely forgiveness that Jesus gives us. He brings us to God. And when we're forgiven, we get God. Who else can do this? That's what Luke wants you to ask. Who else has this sort of power? No one. No one. Why would you not come to him today? All your problems may not be solved overnight, but your biggest problems will. Come to Jesus. Only he has the power you need. This is not just Jesus granting people's wishes. This is not Jesus being a genie. There's no one like Jesus. So we should come to him every single day by faith, faith alone. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who glorify you in all that we do, that we would see Jesus with the eyes of faith, and we would rejoice in what he does for us. We're thankful that he's at your right hand interceding for us. We're thankful that all the power we need is found in him. Thankful that you use your word to reveal your power. Help us now to believe it and live it this week. Help us to come to Jesus no matter what's going on in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.